Exactly what it says on the tin. That's right. What are y'all talking about? Um, I'm just BSing. I don't know about Glenn. <laughs> Folks, 30 seconds into the show, we've totally confused Mike. Thank you very much. Please, uh, waitress, I'll be here all week. Last I checked, this is Saber Die, episode number 61. Yay. This is, as usual, DM Mike with DM Glenn. Hi. And DM Liz. Hello. This episode, we're doing the Attack of the Clones again. This time, we're looking at Labyrinth Lord by Goblinoid Games, written-ish by Daniel Proctor. Written-ish, with, with just us. Hmm. But first, we'll talk about what have we been doing in gaming this week, since that's everybody's favorite section, Glenn. <laughs> well, it's mine. So, uh, oh, I did my basic game uh, yesterday. Uh Killed a few ghouls, ran into an acolyte of Orcas who stole a sword from us, and um, avoided a few pits. Oh, we had a ball, let me tell you. Sounds like it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hoping to get my, my DM on here sometime if I can get over his, he can get over his Skype aversion. Skaversion. Skaversion. And uh, let's see, did I get some, I think I, I got some goodies um, but it's mostly two e-goodies. Um, mm. Dwayne, I got a shout-out. Dwayne, Dwayne Wallace, one of our group on, here on Skype, on OSR, thank you very much. Uh, they gave me a box of the Mask of the Red Death Ooh. with uh, the, the complete game with two of the supplements and my favorite, Rolaids Undead. Uh, Rolates has some good stuff. Oh, the Undead mm-hmm. Supplement. I, I'm rereading it. I used to have a copy and I lost it. I'm rereading it and it's so good. Oh, my goodness. Some not-so-good stuff, too. Yeah, that's true. But this supplement is... It's, yeah, but Undead is one of the good ones. Yeah, it's, I've got Undead and i got Lich Lords, so I'm, you know... Yeah. I'm set. <laughs> anyway, what you guys been doing? Well, classic-wise, I've been reading... Uh, fantasy role-playing games by J. Eric Holmes. Mm. I'm about halfway through it. And I like his writing style. One of the things I enjoy about the book is that rather than a lot of books who just try to go into the ephemera of role-playing, um, he actually lists things from Basic D&D, AD&D, RuneQuest, Traveler, Gamma World, actual games. Bunnies and Burrows gets a section. Under Oddball Games. (laughs) How dare he? (laughs) (laughs) And and he, he 
I like his his take on each one of them. He doesn't judge, um, and he's willing to you know come out even with you know Holmes Basic his his version. You know he's willing to mention some of the dubious parts of it. Well, that's good. And, that's good. And he's even got a simple RPG in there where you basically play a fighter, magic user, or a elven thief. Extremely simple. Now, if I remember that book, I seem to recall it sort of played like a one of those choose-your-own-adventure type books. Yes. Only with dice rolling. More dice yes. rolling. Okay. Well, like the Tunnels and Trolls solo adventures. Oh, okay. Um, which he mentions in there as well. Hmm. And I believe he also mentioned Hero Games and Champions, because they were just getting... You know, mm, just not yet, not yet. But like I said, I'm only about halfway through it. So True. It True. may may mention it further down. True. I think it was when was it published? 1980. 1981. 81. Okay. Yeah, they were just getting started. So because uh, I bought, I bought my first Champions in near the end of 1980. Ah. And I remember it had just come out. The blue box. So this was pre-box. This was just the book. Oh yeah, the blue book. That's right. Yeah. The little sixty-four page book. Yeah, which once again proves you can run a game with a sixty-four page book. Yep, I was at SegaCon nineteen eighty at uh, in Atlanta, hmm. which was fun because my grandmother took my cousin and I there to see Atlanta, go to all the various Civil War sites and everything, right. and. She and my cousin went to all those things because I refused to leave the hotel because that's where the con was. I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. So the con was there when you and your cousin went to Atlanta with your grandmother? Or was it, you know, you got to the hotel and, oh, yeah. my gosh, there's a gaming convention. I'm staying here. <laughs> no, no, I knew the con was there from Dragon Magazine. Uh-huh. Uh, just the idea was that, you know, while we're there, we'll go out. Mike can go to the con for a little while. Uh-huh. Then we'll all go and do this, you know, family stuff. So Ruth and Tiffany went out to all these other places, and I would not leave the ga- the con. <laughs> I remember so a little while became yeah. the entire weekend, more or less. Yeah. Okay, so hey, I I do the same. And I grew up in North Mississippi. You know, growing up, I had enough Civil War to choke a mule. <laughs> Yeah. Do they, yeah. Do, do they do that? I heard they do that a lot in Mississippi. Chuck mules? Mm, well. Or is it cow tipping? I'm thinking of. No, no. It's too wooded for cows. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I guess it's just mule tipping. Okay. You know, yeah, it's funny because um, when I was, you know, earlier in my younger days when I'd see conventions in California, I noticed that the convention, the convention organizers stopped going to like Anaheim to host a convention at one of the hotels. Mm-hmm. I saw a few in Anaheim and at least one in the Disneyland Hotel. Mm-hmm. And they stopped doing it because they weren't making any money because people would go there and go, oh, let's just go to Disneyland instead. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of aw- uh, awkward. But So it's like, okay, let's not do it here. Let's do it somewhere else. <laughs> Unless any, at least, lest anybody think I'm referring to video games, SegaCon was Southeastern Gaming Association. Ah, Sega. Okay. So. so what's up, Liz? Well, <laughs> Mike is still... Hmm? Go ahead. I was going to say, Mike is still reading fantasy role-playing games, but he just finished scanning it into his computer. So I have it now, 
and I will be reading it probably over the Thanksgiving holidays this coming week. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to be doing, basic related. As far as this past week or so, not much basic, but the usual second edition game that we have on Saturdays. How did that Lots come? of fun. <laughs> Still hanging in there, huh? Yeah. Well, We've been shrunk to inch-high people, and now everything is very big and scary. <laughs> and just when you can't get more creative in D&D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we went to a little shrine of about six rooms that was apparently empty, uh-huh. and suddenly we are now one inch tall, so what was basically a small shrine and garden is now this huge, what amounts to a dungeon. Uh-huh. And now that we're an inch tall, we see all the different things that were hiding around there. And now a rat is like a five-hit die monster. <laughs> you got to learn to ride him. <laughs> if he doesn't eat you first. Yeah, well, you know, it's just like, you know, you're willing to tell him who's the alpha rat. Right. So, do we have any emails, Liz? That would be a good nickname for you, by the way. Alpha rat? Yeah. Better than the beta rat. No, that would be me. No, actually, I'm this. The, what's the C one? Yeah, <laughs> Kappa. Kappa. A, but yeah, pretty much. Oh, emails. Yes, we do have some emails. Lordy mercy. Yes, <laughs> and as usual, we're getting far more emails than we have time to do in the show. So we are going to have one heck of an email episode. Which gives some to think because hammer we got done to do. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, 62 will be given over. <laughs> it will be all emails all the time. But anyway, for this episode, we have three. The first one is from T.C. Walker, mm-hmm. and he writes, Hello. Hey gang. Hi. Hi. I liked the episode on traps, but one thing I thought was absolutely ridiculous was Mike's handling of trap searches. If somebody says, I'm searching the door, then that should be assumed that they are searching the door, all of its parts, and the entire area around it. If you hold them to their literal word and they say they only searched the actual physical door, then where do you draw the line? Hey, you searched the door, but not the door jam. Okay, I searched the door jam. Hey, you searched the door jam, but not the hinges. Okay, I searched the hinges. Hey, you searched the hinges, but not the pins in the hinges. Ah, forget it. I'll just take the damage. <laughs> Is this how trap searches were actually run back in the day? It actually sounds quite unreasonable, like it would just bog the game down to an annoying level. If I were that guy who searched for traps every ten feet and still got stung anyway, I'd be ticked off too. If somebody says, I'm searching item X, I just give them the benefit of the doubt they are searching all of item X's constituent and related parts and the area immediately around the item, like out to a foot or so. Other than that, keep up the good work. Turco, dragon's foot name. Thank you, Turco. And Mike, was that, now, was that you running it or are you telling me about the DM you had running Searches like that. Oh, that was the DM, and that's generally how I how I run it. Ah, I see. And Turco, that was clear, concise, and well presented. You're wrong, of course. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) Well, I mean, I see what he's talking about, but at the same point, like he says, the area immediately around the door. Um, 
I can pretty much guarantee you that any player is going to extend that as far as they possibly can. You say a foot, but they'll say, well, if there's a trap two feet, well, now it's two feet around the door. When I said the area, I really meant two feet, no three. No, the entire, you know, I could see where he's saying that it could bog down in minutiae, but at the same time, I could see not giving enough detail is going to cause the same trouble. Yeah. For what it's worth, if they say they search the door and the door jam, the hinges are part of the door. Right. Or jam is separate, but a hinge is part of the door. You know, I I could see what he's saying and I could appreciate his point of view, but I've never really had much trouble with it. And yes, that was at least how it was done back in my group back in the day. And I well, now, when all groups did that way, I don't know. Well, I'll tell you. Now, I'm a big, you know how I'm a big fan of player DM trust. Like the player should trust the DM. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that works both ways. Because the DM is going to have to trust the player of, of not doing like the tag back you were talking about. Well, it's two feet away. Oh, did I say one foot? I meant two foot. I would I would call it shenanigans just like I would, you know. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> it just reminds me of that scene from Gamers. Uh-huh. Yeah. Did I say sneak? I meant I I crawl through the hallway an inch at a time looking for traps. You know, I learned a long time ago in Did Czech- I say crawl? <laughs> <laughs> it, and it went just over and over and over. And, yeah, yeah. See, a long time ago, I learned in checkers there's no take backs. Yeah. You know, and that's the way I play it. Mm-hmm. I'd hate, I'd hate to be in a game with you and I get a wish. I really do. <laughs> just, just to put that out there. <laughs> well, Liz, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I, you know, to be fair to Turco, I have known DMs. You and I have both played with some who will try to use the absolute letter of the rule or what you say to try to make it work against you. Mm-hmm. So I can see where he's coming from that you could have that problem with a DM. It's like, well, you, you said you searched the door, but you did not specifically say that you searched the door jam, and that's where the trap was. It's like, oh, come on. You know? Yeah. But at the same time, I would say that's actually an issue of DMing unless, you know, the trap, because odds are he's going to do that with all sorts of things. Oh, yeah. yeah. But then again, you think about it, maybe he was driven to that by players who... Yeah, know. yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of things. And, yeah, I think in a way you've got the point, Glenn. It it boils down to the amount of trust between the player and the DM. Right. I don't... Other than that, than Ollie, and I think that's about. I don't recall anyone really having a problem with my resolution of of these skills. Good, or at least not to my face. <laughs> See, I would hate getting. I would hate as DM or GM getting getting players who overanalyze things in my game. I really hate that. I I operate on the Chris Carter effect. You know, don't examine this too closely. You see, I disagree because I think the people who are examining it in detail are trying to 
come up with re- you know different resolutions for problems and by doing that they may occasionally come up with something totally out of the box and Okay. Come up with something. It's like, oh, I didn't think about that, but that makes plenty of sense. So, okay, I can understand that, but as DM, I feel no compunction to justify anything I do, other than like killing characters or something. Um, you know, it's okay. DM trust. I will not, you know, screw over characters and kill them and stuff. But it's like, you know, if I put something in a room and you ask me a million questions about that thing, and it's like, what are you gonna do with it? Okay, <laughs> you know. I don't. I don't know how long it's been here. I don't know what. I, it's it's a green box. Okay, it's got. It's a, a comforter. It, yes. <laughs> Are you taking it or not? Exactly. But I. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Well, it's a matter of style, I think. And you know, Turco's got some valid points. Okay, yeah, he does. I. So, and so do I you. just disagree. <laughs> and so do you. But thanks for the email, Turco. Yeah, thanks. Yes. We appreciate it. You just. Thanks, you just caused some friction, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> no. We love we love uh, all of our emails, even the yes. ones that have bones to pick with all of us. And we love each. If other. we all agreed on everything in role playing games, life would be very boring. Yeah, because there wouldn't be any save or die, or there would always be save or die. True. Yeah, I mean the podcast. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the attack. Oh, yeah. Well, that too. <laughs> uh, anyway, what else we got? Okay. Our second email is from Daz. Daz says, hello, Sodcasters. Hello, Daz. I have to say, I am loving this show. I've listened to hundreds of podcasts since I got back into RPGs about five years ago, after being one of the 80s brats who nerded out on D&D, AD&D, <laughs> RuneQuest, Cthulhu, Pendragon, and Traveler back in the day. Woohoo! Although I didn't do RuneQuest much. Well, there were some of them I liked there. (laughs) Marriage, career, and two daughters followed, and the inevitable RPG gap occurred until my very own gaming renaissance, where career, older kids, and questions from newbies about the hobby allowed gaming to take over once more. Yay. And so I found myself running a D&D game for new players, running a game for my wife and daughters, and playing in a second edition game once a week. My, that sounds familiar. (laughs) Going back to my roots reminds me of just how flexible the early D&D systems are, especially with so many rigid tomes of brain-wrenching rules out there now. Mm -hmm. So, I love to see a new episode of Save or Die, Faco's Hammer, or Roll for Initiative coming down the iTunes pipe. I have to say that Save or Die is simply the best. Better than all the rest, (laughs) in quotes. And believe me, the other two are hard to beat. Love the nostalgia, the fact that Holmes gets such adoration from Liz, Mike's mastery of the original brown box rules, and, of course, Glenn lends an air of culture and decorum to any podcast in which he appears. (laughs) Is that what it is? If you don't mind an old man shouting from the back, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the icing on the podcasting cake. See that? I'm icing. I'm the one you eat first. Hmm. I could say something, but I'm going going to I am going to resist making a comment. (laughs) The letter. Anyway, he he continues on. I, of course, have to agree with him 
that the rules compendium is a great product, no matter what Vince says. Stop me when I'm becoming a sycophant. <laughs> I, I use more sycophants. <laughs> I should also add that I have used a few Castles and Crusades products. There you go, great Mike. game, just the right feel. I had heard Mike mention that he had written some stuff for it. Am I right in saying that the secret of Ronan Scary would be one such adventure? No, afraid not. (laughs) But if so, (laughs) I loved the use of Port Vogue, or should I say Porta Vogue, near a certain Porta Ferry, (laughs) and you mentioned your trip to the aquarium there. I live about an hour from there near Carrick Fergus, and I am probably mangling all of these names, I apologize. (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) Which has the best castle in Northern Ireland and the best haunted caves at Whitehead and Island McGee. Next time you guys are in Northern Ireland, email me and we will arrange a game and a tour. (laughs) In the castle? A game in the castle? That would be nice. (laughs) It's great to see you add in some elements of Celtic folklore there. Since seeing Swords and Wizardry, I have wanted to do an Irish Legends version under the OGL. I'm sure by the time I put finger to keyboard, though, someone else might have done it. We'll see. Shoutouts for the kids and the current D&D campaign before I go. Buttercup, the crazy-ass wizard. Foxglove, the hippie druid. Kanata, the thief who never fails to find my traps. Rizzoli, the Red Ranger, Bo, the Elf Archer, with her damned gadget arrows, and, of course, <laughs> Nub-Nub, the wily gnome illusionist who always manages to freak out the monsters. Until next time, Daz. <laughs> Nub-Nub the gnome. Hey, that's better that's than... Great. It's better than our gnome illusionist, Flim Flam. Fizzlebeak. <laughs> Flim Flam Fizzlebeak. Thank you, Daz. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> while that is a good module, I must agree, I didn't write it. The ones I wrote were uh, Shadows of the Halfling Hall and Verdant Rage, as well as a contributing author on the Player's Handbook. The Monster Manual, or sorry, Monsters and Treasure, even though I'm not credited for it, and uh, some of the Castellan's guides. Daz, but he's right. That's a good. Ev- it's a good adventure. It is. And Daz. if we're ever in Northern Ireland, we will let you know. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to go to Ireland. Quite frankly, it's. No. You would it be both. A gor- it's a gorgeous place. I just want to take a whole tour of the British Isles. Except if he's running an adventure, Liz will probably just kind of fade out listening to his accent. <laughs> I'm sorry, what'd you say? No, no, say it all over again. Yeah. Well, at least he isn't quite that bad. At least he isn't Welsh. You can understand what he says. So, <laughs> hey, he might be Welsh. You he have no idea. That's true. I'll just bring some cheese. But uh, <laughs> thank you, Daz, my my acolyte. Bless, bless your game, my son. But and thanks if you for really for want save or die so much. And if you really want to get on my good side, call it the Rules Cyclopedia. Okay. <laughs> See, he isn't. What? Somebody might get confused. It's a soda. Uh. Well, he said Rules Compendium. 
Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> but thank you. Thank no, you. We know we yes, I've been beaming ever since this email started, so thank you. <laughs> you just gave Glenn a warm and fuzzy. Uh, yeah, Glenn, shut up. Okay. Uh, yes. Hey, I... I refrained from making and, a comment after just, your icing comment. So, <laughs> and I just refrained email. myself. Email. What's we got another email? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. Moving right along, our final email is from the one and only T Man. T Man. And T Man writes, "Dear Save or Die." After listening to your most recent show, I have a suggestion for a new feature. Often, at the beginning of the show, you folks say that you didn't have time to do much in basic during the week. I sympathize. So my thought is, why not do something in basic during the show? You could have a new feature where you briefly play through a very simple encounter. For example, if Glenn is DM, perhaps he takes you through a trap room or a short fight, perhaps with kobolds. Then afterwards, you could dissect how you use the rules during the encounter, especially if the DM had to make an off-the-cuff decision. Hmm. However, don't turn the podcast into an actual play podcast. And keep character creation off the air. That can be very tedious to listen to. Thank you. <laughs> Come on. I'm go- I want to spend the next hour and a half telling you about the backstory of my character. I think, no. I think that was a dig at Thaco's hammer. But anyway, okay. Anyway, <laughs> he says, just my two cents, which requires at least a buck more to get coffee. <laughs> well, I think I know what he's talking about. I haven't listened yeah. to RFI in a while, but I know for... They used to do that with the monster. When Jason, yeah. yeah, Jason was there, they did, yeah, their creature feature. Yeah. Yeah, a little encounter featuring mm. the monster. Hmm. Well, as long as it's just Liz and me doing the DMing for that little bit, we don't want Mike because it'll be, oh, you fall in a trap and die. Next segment. (laughs) (laughs) You got your your characters rolled up? Good. They're dead, too. (laughs) Rocks fall, you die. Thank you, Teeman, for the idea. Yeah, thank you. Uh, We'll... Looking. Can't guarantee anything, but it's certainly worth considering. Yeah, it's an interesting interesting idea. Yeah. Well, thanks for the emails, and I'd like to remind everybody that oh. if you'd like to record something and send it into Basic Impressions, mm-hmm. we could use more. Otherwise, that section's just going to be the T-Man show. That's true. And uh, <laughs> you can send emails to saverdiepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, who is it? Who's the guy from Ireland? That Daz? Daz. Daz, uh, Daz, if you want to write like a Celtic thing to Swords and Wizardry, go ahead. Vince hasn't written anything all day. And besides, even if somebody does already do it, yeah. yours could be better. That's true. Look at mazes. And <laughs> Never mind. It's like somebody writing, you know, uh, for instance, Tejel Manor. You know, as great as that is, it's like, well, hard, that's hardly the only haunted house there can be, right? That's true. I've seen so, others. By all means. Yeah. Eat more Formorian giants. Shall we move on? Let's. Let's. And now we can talk about the clone of the moment, which is Labyrinth Lord. We'll go into game on.
Labyrinth Lord, 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 Lord. Mutant Future? No. no yeah, Labyrinth Lord. <laughs> the retro clone put out by Goblinoid Games. Yay. And is there to emulate Moldvay Cook, Basic Expert. BX, yay! And we will discuss how faithful it is and our general reactions to it. So we'll start with you, Glenn. Oh, the book looks fine. Mainly I'm standing it next to my really crappy-looking Moldvay right now, so... <laughs> um, okay, Labyrinth Lord. I happen to have a copy right here with pictures. And this is the fifth release, revised edition, January 2011. Now it's about, what, 150 pages? It is about... I'll tell you in a minute here. You can look at the... It's about... I'd say about 138 pages. Okay. Including all the, you know, the, the OSR stuff in the back. Yeah, the legal, the legal stuff. stuff. It's OGL, so it it's... It adds not- character sheet, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's comprehensive. You know, if this had been published along with BX at the time, I think I would have picked this up. Mm-hmm. But I've I looked through it, and it's like, yeah, they hit all the right notes. It's all there, you know, in black and white. Monsters, everything. It's it's like the RC. It's a one-stop shop, and it's done very well, too. How about you guys? Liz? Well, I am not as familiar with BX as, you know, Glenn and, you know, even you are, Mike. So hard for me to say as, you know, with any real, you know, authority uh-huh. how close it is to Mold Bay Cook. But from what I remember about Mold Bay Cook... It looks to be very close to me, indeed. And, again, you've got everything all together. And now I'm not sure. They're talk- going into character generation. Um, some, of the, some of the rules on creating your character, rolling up your stats, and doing the two-for-one thing, I don't know if that's exactly the same as Moldvay could. I saw that in the RC. I, didn't, I don't remember seeing anything like that in, the, in Moldvay. Uh, yeah. The two-for-one, I think, is in Moldvay, I yeah, think. Well, they talk about two-for-one, but then they go on to say that, you know, constitution and charisma are the only abilities that may not be modified in any uh-huh. way. And I don't recall if that caveat was in Moldvay Cook or not. I don't remember it being there, but that doesn't mean it wasn't. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. See, you yeah. see it was dexterity, but, constitution, and charisma. Yeah. Um, while it's extremely similar, I did notice a few different things. Uh, they're minor, um, and a lot of it is in presentation. Um, and this is a pet peeve of mine, and I know it doesn't make a, any difference whatsoever. But when did the idea of having to do strength, dex, con, then intelligence, wisdom, charisma come from? When did that start? I thought it started with Labyrinth Lord because sure isn't sure isn't. No, 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 no. It's it it started I think around two E maybe when it listed attributes like that rather than the old way of strength, intelligence, wisdom, constitution, dexterity, charisma, or uh, putting all your physicals and all of your mental. Yeah, having to reorganize it. I don't uh, remember. When. I have to say no because two E didn't. Two E's like right in lockstep. 
Really? I don't. I thought I'd read. Yeah. Remember reading some two E stuff where they did that. Maybe it was three. Then. First time I seen it is in here in Labyrinth Lord. In fact, that messed me up in my basic game because I decided to use the Labyrinth Lord cheats, and I'm going, oh crap! I got no. Yeah, it. no. I've. I, I know they did that in three. For some reason, I thought they had done that in 2E, but I could be wrong. If they did, it was probably the tail end of 2E. Yeah, around the option stuff. Uh, so, by the way... Um, but that just, I, I guess it makes it a little easier, but at the same time, it's like, it's only six attributes. I mean, come on. You, is it really that hard to look up? Okay. <clears throat> in, in page B6 of Moldvay, we have ability score adjustments. Mm-hmm. Now, adjusting abilities, no score may be lower below nine. Uh-huh. Uh, when adjustment is made, prime requisite ability will raise one point for every two points uh-huh. that the adjust is lowered. So, but it, it also it, constitution and charisma may not be raised or lowered. Okay, okay. Dexter, so that is accurate. But dexterity may not be lowered, but it can be raised. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's like that in Labyrinth Lord too. I kind of I remember the dexterity. I just did not remember about Constitution and Charisma because I'm pretty sure I've when I've done two for one, I've upped my Constitution before doing that. So yeah, I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah, not to name drop here, but that is one of the things I liked about Castles and Crusades. Mm-hmm. The way saving throws were all matched up with each of the six, six attributes, it made sure that charisma was not a dump stat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it was attached to death magic saves and such. Somebody, I got offline. Um, somebody actually wrote that up for uh, for basic mm-hmm. and advanced, too, about, okay, this strength matches this this kind of save. You know, right. Is this guy. It's the same same thing that you can use for your your like your basic your one e's or two e's. Yeah, uh, in the castles and crusades players handbook, they go ahead and say you know, strength a strength save is for things like petrification, po- or polymorph. You know, right. so which you know is a way of description, but it's also basically telling you what categories to use it under. But anyway, back to labyrinth lord. Sure. Um, character generation seemed pretty standard. Uh, it's got the races class, which I like. Right, me too. It's the four standard races. And, dis- uh, and descending armor class. Descending armor class. Yeah. Hit dice are comparable to its clone with right. D4s for thieves, D6s for clerics, D8s for fighters. Right. Um, something that actually occurred to me when we were reviewing Barrow Maze, which I thought was one of the one, the AD and isms that Greg Gillespie had imported, but apparently it's here in Labyrinth Lord. Um, Labyrinth Lord uses platinum and electrum as yes. tools, which Mulvey Cook did not. Yes, they they use them as what? I'm sorry. They use them as treasure. I mean, Thank they you. have the conversion rates for Platinum and Electrum, right. but Moldvay Cook did not. Right. That was only AD&D. Or maybe Menser. I don't know much about Menser, so I can't right. say. That is right. You are. Did, did Rules Cyclopedia have Platinum and Electrum? Well, they had the – yeah, they had Platinum and Electrum. Okay. Um, so it must have come in around Menser then. And the old, the old, you know, one equals ten equals to this. And this, this. Right. The whole right. thing that – so it's confused me ever since 1E. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, they got Platinum Electrum there. Um, I think that came, yeah, that came along after, I think Metzer started that. Mm. That's my recollection. Which was kind of the AD&D creep that began moving in. Who, me? No, no. Oh, oh, <laughs> okay. You are not the creep that Mike is referring to. Ah. This time. These... <laughs> These are not the, the creepy creeps. old guy. These are not the creeps you are looking for. Move along. Uh, okay. <laughs> and is it easy to learn? I will say yes. Yeah, it, it is close enough to the mold bay, I think. Mm-hmm. If you can write up a character from Holmes, you can write up a character from this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, speaking of which, I just looked up in my Holmes book that whole thing about not being able to modify constitution or charisma is in there too, in Holmes too. and I've never used that. Bad, <laughs> Liz. Oh, I'm bad. I mean, I was using the dexterity, not letting you lower it, but raise mm-hmm. it. But the constitution and charisma thing just kind of went, vroom, it, well, and I did. I did not remember that. I don't often do the modify thing at all. I usually just when I'm playing, I roll up a character and just go with them. What's oh, it? You know, usually I will do that too, but if there's mm-hmm. someone who really has their heart set on playing a certain thing, you know, I'll do mm-hmm. with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What say you, Mike? Is that in uh, the Brown books? What, the raising and lowering of attributes? The, the, the two-for-one thing? Yeah. Um, not in the core ones. It may have been in Greyhawk. Um, That's what I thought. But, of course, this is... You know, basic. This is for Moldvay, not for the Brown books. Well, I know. I just want to see how far back it went. So we're talking Holmes on. Okay. Yeah. Frankly, I never used the two for one when making characters because I couldn't bear moving a point from somewhere I really wanted it. <laughs> so my 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 answer was always, "Can I just re-roll it?" Well, here's the other question. Did you put uh, your roles in order, or did you put them where you wanted them? Hell no. I put them where I want them. Yeah, that's generally I would, both myself and I would let players put them where they wanted to, which obviates the need for that to a large degree. And it's 46 drop the lowest. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's usually what I do too. I think most people do, unless they're really hard, you know, hardcore. My, my, my RC game, the DM made us do that because he wanted to go strictly by the book. Mm. He start well. He wanted to do that because okay, RC was a new thing to them. Uh-huh. They just finished a two E campaign, so it's like okay, we're going to do everything by the book, and then you know, as we go, I'll figure things out and probably change stuff. I said okay, so I had to do three D six in order. Well, that's that's a pretty smart thing, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, you can experience the rules. You know, as they were written, and then once you're coming from a viewpoint of knowledge and experience, then you can decide, I'm going to change this to better suit our group's style of play. Right. That's a good idea. <laughs> he also does this thing where very, new players to the group always start at first level. Once you die, you get to start at like, you know, like a level or, a level or so behind the group, whatever the group is. Mm-hmm. Which means <laughs> I, I didn't see Gage running around trying to get killed. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the grognard in me is like, well, if you're rolling up a new character, you should start at first level, grump, grump. 
but at the same time, if you're first level and you're running around with fourth or fifth levels, you're yeah. going to die pretty soon. They have, 12, <laughs> they have 12-step programs for that, Mike. The grump. <laughs> On the grump, other hand, if you are playing a thief, and I know from personal experience, you can yeah. level up like mad in the beginning. Oh, yeah. So you could start out as a first-level new character playing a thief and quickly catch up with your fourth and fifth level compatriots if you don't die first thing off. Oh, yeah. That's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm stuck at fourth, so... <laughs> <laughs> Good old elves, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we were saying... Uh, uh, armors, yeah, armors, weapons seem pretty much... Standard. Standard. Um, I noticed they've even imported Shudder alignment languages. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Said alignment languages. We just put this in to piss off Mike Stewart. <laughs> I'm sorry. Alignment languages is goofy. The rest of you can It's be old goofy. school. It is old school. It is. And it's still goofy. I want to figure out some way to use alignment languages. That would be hilarious. When you do, tell me, because I've never been able to figure you know, it like, out. You know, like click chaotic evil alignment languages like speaking backwards or something. <laughs> because not only does each alignment have a tongue, chaotic, lawful, and neutral, but if you are neutral and somehow become evil or, or chaotic or lawful, you forget the alignment yes. language you once knew, and now magically know the alignment of the alignment, the al- language of the alignment you are. And you, it know, just, uh, <laughs> you know what I think of when I, when I see alignment languages? That Monty Python sketch where the guy's trying to report a theft to the police station, and they can't hear him, but he has to speak a little higher, or a little lower, or sing it, or something, because <laughs> each, each, each policeman can't hear it <laughs> differently. I miss that skit. Uh, that one. And the only one I remember is, you know, do you want to go to my place? Bouncy bounce. <laughs> yeah, the Hungarian the English dictionary. Phrase yeah, the phrase book. <laughs> I am no longer infected. Okay, let's stop before this. <laughs> let's stop before this becomes not safe for work. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, uh, anyway. anyway, as far as characters, pretty stock. Has the standard, you know, race abilities like elves with secret doors, uh-huh. sloping passages, halflings being able to hide in quote unquote shadows when in the wilderness, or if they don't move in a dungeon, you know, pretty much the stock stuff you would expect from Molbay Basic. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, you know, it's all in, there in the book. I'm still trying to figure out what they had to change. Well, I haven't noticed much. Um, yeah. I did like once you get into actual play or descriptions of play, for instance, he not only describes how to put your characters in marching order, mm-hmm. yeah. but why it's important. And he mentions that, which I've never read anywhere, but he's right when he puts the standard default for most gaming groups is two abreast. Yeah. Like, wow. Yeah, I've never read that, but God knows I have played enough different games with enough different DMs, and he's right. That's generally the one everybody wants to do, is 
two abreast, ten foot corridor. Right. And one thing I'm glad he dropped at the beginning was that whole um, one player is the caller and the rest of you decide what to do and the one player says what's going on. You know, that was even in the rule cyclopedia. Mm. You know, well, I don't know anybody who does that. I've I've seen that done when you're running like eight, nine, or ten players. Yeah, you might have a point there. But... But yeah, most groups, four to six, eh, I don't see that it's really necessary. Yeah, try to get them to shut up so you can do the caller bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Although it might be something to keep in mind if you happen to have a single player that's hogging all the action and not letting the others get yeah. in the word. You, know, you might try implementing the caller system to... And don't make him the caller. And don't make yeah, that make person the caller. The caller. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, you're not going to be the caller. <laughs> Jeff over here is going to be the caller. <laughs> the guy who never says anything, yes, he's going right. to be the caller. <laughs> Something else that was also imported and spelled out, I think, a little better than in other versions of Classic uh-huh. is that the DM, sorry, Labyrinth Lord, rolls all these skills. Yeah, not yes. the player. That happens in my game. I've I've never well, at the beginning that was done that way, but for the most part the groups I learned in let the thief roll their own skills. And yeah, I that's that's been most gameplay I have been in too. Um, I see the logic of it, especially if you've got a player who, you know, is notorious for using, you know, player knowledge instead of character knowledge. But most of the time, I've been fortunate enough that thieves, especially recently, people who play thieves are willing to, if they roll and they know they blew it, they go, oh, yes, there's definitely no traps here. Are you talking about me? (laughs) Among others, but yeah. Yeah, you you are absolutely certain there is this thing is not trapped. You would stake your reputation on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was one where I, I blew my roll. And, you know, the fighter said to me, it's like, so you're sure it's not trapped? And I said, absolutely. I'll open it myself. And I did. (laughs) Was that the one where the door fell on you? No, that was not the one where the door fell on me. That was was the best one of all. Because it wasn't really a trap. It had just rotted away from the hinges and just... (laughs) Well, I rolled a double odd. So you could not blow the roll worse than that and the dm decided that i had failed so miserably that there wasn't actually a trap there but he decided to make the door rotten and have it just fall on me (laughs) so comedically it was hilarious a bit embarrassing (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing wrong with this door Ah! (laughs) yes and the elf would not let me forget it (laughs) Yep. Oh yeah. So this, so <laughs> this is available. Yes. Yes, very much so. It is a free PDF. Without art. At the Goblinoid Games website. That is a no art version. Yes. But you can get the art version if you pay for it. Um, they sell the copies themselves, so. You can buy the PDF, you can buy the PDF plus a copy through Lulu, or just the, the hard copy. What's that, Lulu? I thought they did it themselves, or did they do well, it? Well, I thought, I thought they had a store on Lulu. 
Do they? Okay. I, do. I I thought they did their own thing, but I guess that's how they do it. I never really look for the hard copies. I always get PDFs. Right. So I didn't really – I had heard that they were selling, those some copies of Labyrinth Lord at, re, at some retail stores. That's what I heard, too. In the last two North Texas RPG cons, I've been a pest to people <laughs> saying, is anybody selling any Labyrinth Lord? Mm-hmm. And no, none. <laughs> Goblinoid Games just doesn't come out to Texas, I guess. Mm. I did notice that he almost never mentions the term dungeon in the book. Yeah, it's yeah, always a labyrinth. labyrinth. It's always a labyrinth or sometimes a maze. Yeah. This is well, we all know labyrinth. Wink, wink. But uh, it's, it's available for a reasonable price. Yeah. And uh, How much is the hard copy? Uh, beats me. One was mine was given to me. But let's see what it says in the book, if anything. Uh, doesn't say a doggone thing. Nope. Well, worry I'm about guess, that. I'm guessing around twelve to twenty dollars. <laughs> that's a bit of a range there. <laughs> I just rolled a die, and that's. What <laughs> I am assuming that this costs some kind of money, <laughs> and you will US have to pay for it. <laughs> no, I'm going to get converted equivalent. No, I'm going to give him a chicken and a pig for it. Of course it costs money. (laughs) Anyway, talking more about the Labyrinth Lord section, did you have any more comments on that, Glenn? Uh, I did. Okay. There wasn't enough. They did a really good job of, you know, here's the DM procedures. Labyrinth Lord. Yes. Labyrinth. (laughs) In fact, they call it Labyrinth Lord Lore. There's so a inspiration for you. Yeah. Labyrinth design, labyrinth scenarios, stocking labyrinths. I mean, they do a really good job, but I think that's just me because all these sections, I'm always, I mean, my bookshelf used to be filled with how to DM books. Mm-hmm. You know? So me, I think it's being either lazy or insecure. Um, so... I'm always looking for something that will give me a good suggestion or something like that. And they do, like I said, what they do, they do well in here. I just, I want, you know, they're leaving me wanting more, basically. Do, do you think they did enough for the new person? Yes, they did. Okay. Yeah, yes, they, I would agree to that. Um, it would be a lot easier to pick this up than, say, say um, Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to say three brown books. That's kind of a sucker bed right there. But <laughs> say uh, oh, Holmes. Um, this one goes a little further. Well, yeah. Jump. It goes up to, what, 14th level? No, I'm talking about, I mean, it goes <laughs> in. Yeah, you know, Holmes had the sample dungeon in the back, but it didn't go into a lot of detail on suggestions of how you could make your own. Uh, and true. This book does. You know, if yeah. you've never made one yourself for whatever reason, you know, it talks about what you should think about, you know, how you would probably want to set it up, and you know, various reasons why your character your character party would be going to the thing that you set up. How to stock it? You know, it's very yeah. good for they, the it gives, it gives random tables, but it also tells you, you know, don't feel wedded to whatever you roll. And it yeah. gives you a nice example how to stock it, and gives you a level to play with. With Morlocks! Yay! 
Andy Opa. Whoever that is. What? Uh, I don't know. It's just I just opened the book and said, Yopa, Neil Morlock, God of Dark. Oh, God of Darkness, Yopa. And they give you a nice little starter world here. A like, Morlock God. Kind of like a... Uh, wells. Uh, no, wait. <laughs> kind of like a mini Mistara little starter land. Yeah. I like how it even gave random tables for um, settlements. Yeah. See, I think more... RPG should have this, not just retro clones. I mean, I've just to use a, another RPG out of out of genre for, a, and I'm not going to say champions. Uh, Gangbusters, love the game to death. Always wanted to run one. They give you no idea on how to make one, make it an adventure, or any guidance on it. Um, they show you how to make characters, how the game is run, the combat, the the car chases, and then they go into what each character's job, how they get their money, how criminals earn their money, all this other stuff. That it's like, okay, this is nice for reference, but how do I make an adventure? How would a newbie make an adventure in this game? And that's what's lacking in some of these games, and that's what Labyrinth Lord and these games have. Mm-hmm. But like I said, and they do it well, I just wish there was a little more of it, that's all. I yeah. can't help but wonder if some, you know, some game companies worry that if they tell the people who buy the game how to make their own adventures they won't purchase modules <laughs> it's like that's the only thing i can think that, of as to why they would you know hoard the secret to someone who might not know it's like that was valid in the 70s I was yeah, say, but, that's that's uh, early D talk yeah I, mean, I like to make my own adventures but I also enjoy buying something ready-made because you don't always have the time to do it. And sometimes you want to be able to just pull something off the shelf and tweak it here and there and, you know, let it go. Or <laughs> even if you never intend to actually use it, reading it can spark your imagination. Yeah. And you can steal bits out of stuff. Mm-hmm. Games. Steal a location, maybe a small a section of a dungeon, you right? Know. A trap, something like that. Um, yeah. I used to. I, I worked briefly for Our Tales Orient Games, and I've talked to Mike Pondsmith a couple of times, and he had a huge library at the office of not only role playing games, but war games and other things. And I said, "Wow, you really get into it." He says, "He says I read everything. I read everything because you never know when I'm going to get a good idea for my games." Mm-hmm. But yeah, speaking of um, spelling stuff out, another thing Labyrinth Lord did, which I was gratified to read, it specifically spelled out that experience points are for treasure, not for magic items. Now, that's, that's something that that's hasn't... interesting. Well, that was apparently Gygax's original intent. Yeah. And But it was never really spelled out well, not even in the AD&D, which was the ostensible, you know comprehensive one but it makes sense you know his his idea was always you know owning a magic item is its own reward yeah you know uh, you, unless you sell it now if you sell it yeah, yeah you, you get, get the money and, yeah um i for a while i was down on like eat for money money for heap I'm going, what, are we all mercenaries? Well, yeah, we are, but... Uh, <laughs> no, we're a bunch like of that. drunken, homicidal kleptomaniacs with a treasure map. There we go. <laughs> um, but, you know, I can understand that now. My DM right now says, 
you know, practically all your EEP is coming from treasure. Yeah. And it's like, you mean I don't get any EEP for killing monsters? Not very much, no. Well, this is yeah. like a one-hit kill or something. Well, that's classic. I mean, you look at it, and no matter what, most of your XP is coming from treasure. It's not. So I'm going to so kill an Orog and get like 10 gold off of him, and that's my EEP. 10 gold plus, what, maybe 5 for the Orog, depending on whatever the heck that's If he gives it to me. Mm. Yeah. On the other hand, if you stole it from him <laughs> and didn't kill the monster, you still get the XP. That's true. True. We at Saber Die do not advocate stealing from people. Just monsters, however, it's okay. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And you know, you know, the term monster takes a wide net in these books. <laughs> <laughs> there was one thing that I came across that I thought was kind of odd. Um, in the basic versions of D&D, all the ones I've known, uh-huh. poison has always been limited to being used by evil characters. Right. That is not the case in Labyrinth Lord. That didn't come along until advance where everybody could use poison. No, Holmes says it about poison. Yeah. And I believe Moldvay and Cook Expert says that. It's just, for some reason, he doesn't disallow good characters using poison. Yeah, it's weird. Which was kind of an odd, you know, game choice, considering how faithful he was on so much other stuff. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it's easy to put in there if you want, but it, it was just an interesting... You know, game choice. I wonder why he did that. So, is there anything else we want to talk about regarding playing or or labyrinth lording, labyrinth lord, before we go into random encounters? Well, labyrinth lording over everything. Um, I it says something. Um, what about stat blocks? Um, from what I saw in the sample adventure, they are the traditional number. You know. Hit points, armor exactly. class, number of attacks. Yeah. Weapons. Yeah, it looks pretty classic. Yeah, I could deal with that. Stat line, not a stat mm-hmm. block. Yeah, I like that even better, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, I have yet to figure out my perfect stat block for something because, you know, just pulling it up. Go! Let's play, you know. Mm-hmm. But that comes mighty close. Mighty close. Although, one thing I do want to mention before we go into random encounters, um, I did like, and some purists will say that perhaps this breaks the system, but I don't think it does. I did like that in Labyrinth Lord, a first-level cleric can cast a spell. For the witch! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, How dare you blast that totally That'll totally break the game. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That extra one, first level spell for a cleric, it is so wrong and will destroy yeah. all. I can't, we can't play it anymore. <laughs> I was totally shocked when I picked up the RC first time found out they couldn't have first level, first level spells at first level. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like, you what? can't do it. Yeah, you can't do it in Holmes. You can't do it in, in you know, all of the basics. Yeah. But yeah. you can do it here and personally I like it. Just want to say. <laughs> I, I guess no- that, that could be described as a bit of AD&D creep like the uh electrons. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Again, you are not the creep we're referring to. Okay. 
Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> you just blew it out of my that whole ADD creep thing just blew it out of my head. Okay. Uh, yeah, I could I could have an I could argue it either way. I see why they did it in basic. Although if somebody wants a first level spell for a cleric, you know, soap my rope, flatter me, buy me food, whatever, I'll let you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I don't see that that argument's always, oh no, it'll break this, break, I've actually heard people say that it's going to change the entire character of the game if you allow clerics a first level spell at first level. But then I point out, well, Scrolls are so cheap. Yes. Oh well, that's okay. What? <laughs> so having three scrolls is all. Two or three scrolls is all right, but don't like, give him a, a single first level spell. That could wreck the what? I like to. I like to tell those people. We I, want to keep them poor. <laughs> those characters poor. There are plenty of other ways to keep them poor. <laughs> I like. To, I like to tell them that I, I allow black. I'd like to. I like. I allow black powder in my in my games just to see him have a heart attack. Now, see, I don't allow that, but it's not because I'm afraid it'll break the system. That's just not the flavor I want. It's <laughs> true. It's yeah. true. I am. I yeah. You're right. You are right. Now it says here: are there any rules the player shouldn't see? Yeah, plenty. Plenty. I think that well, falls under the. But they're all in well, the back of the book. Well, and, you know, there are things like the rolling of these skills, which you're not supposed to see. Really? Well... Yeah, we just mentioned that. Well, I know that, but I mean, you were talking about... Yeah, I think Glenn and I are reading that to mean, are there any rules in that book that players should not be reading? Ah, okay. That's how I was taking that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's like, and maybe there are, but you know they're going to. You know, this is interesting you say that about thief skills, Mike, because how I interpret it was we talked about uh, the DM rolling their thief skills. Uh, I didn't know it extended the fact that they shouldn't even know what they are. Oh, yeah. It mentions in there about keeping, you know, dice behind the screen. Oh, hogwash. And even in mentioning one of... My favorites, which is um, no wait, never mind. That's the fantasy role playing game book I was reading. Never mind. <laughs> um, Continue on. It's his stole- favorite, but you can't know what it is. Yeah, have you stolen anything from that yet? <laughs> Actually, no. I've just been gratified how many things he's recommended as as patterns that I do anyway. Yeah. The the best one, which is the just roll a die behind the screen sometime for nothing. Oh yeah, well that's that's standard Gygax procedure. Yeah, just you know, so your players go, what the hell? Did he mention the fifty percent Gygax is fifty percent rule? No. Okay. Not yet. Anyway. Yeah. Roll a d six. One, two, three is yes. Four, five, six is no. There you go. Well, some, well I'll extend that and even just tell a character, roll a d twenty. Tell me what you get. Yeah. Okay. What is it? Oh, nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> you cruel son of a gun. <laughs> I am a meanie. And yet I'm I, a meanie, just I like uh, Turco said in his email. Didn't y'all read? You know, pay that, pay attention. He's a meanie in Armani. Yes. A big old meanie head. Yeah. I'm meanie. 
Shall yes, we go have on? our Armani suits from the vast income from my two modules. <laughs> and your and your staggering salary from professorship. For being an adjunct, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, right. We're going we're going to McDonald's tomorrow off of that. Oh. So Well, shall we move on? Shall we move on? Yeah, let's go to random encounters. Okay. We take what we want and leave the rest. Just like your salad bar. Nothing up must leave. Crystal! You will come out no more! What? Huh? What'll come out no more? Random encounters. Random encounters. Oh, I get to put a pumper in. Cool. Yay! Yay! <laughs> At least one. Yeah. The monsters of Labyrinth. Monsters. The monsters. One thing I'll say about in general with monsters that he put in, which I like, is, you know, he gave both encounters and treasure hoard numbers to not only just wandering monsters, but also what would be likely to run into in their lair, which I thought was kind of nice. Yes, that was a nice little feature in there. More books should do that. And, even though it wasn't the monster I chose, he, they have the Thowl. The Thowl? They don't call it the Thowl, but it is the Thowl. What do they call it? Throgrin. That's a mouthful. See, I'm going to think a frog is involved in that somehow. I don't want to know. Well, I didn't spell it, but it's there. It's described as the mix of hobgoblin, troll, and ghoul, so... Oh, fools! Yeah, I was was going to say, you know, I've always pronounced it (laughs) fool, but I don't think there is a standardized pronunciation that I know of. Yeah. Kind of like the whole um, <laughs> Sahugan, although we did finally, although we did find finally out. find out that it was supposed to be like Sheboygan. <laughs> so, yeah, it's Sahoygan. Sahoygan? Yeah. Oh, I know how my Sahugans are going to sound like now. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to come out. <laughs> Let's parlay with them. We'll give you this gold. Can we, can we go? Yeah, forget about it. Go on. But anyway... They also give detailed description of monster abilities, not just, you know, they have energy drain, but specifically tells you how energy drain is used. Mm-hmm. And as well as their poison, their ability to paralyze, you know, not oh, yeah. just, they paralyze and move on. So that's kind of neat at the oh, beginning yeah. of monsters. That would help a new person, a new labyrinth lord, as it were, to it run would. the game. So yeah. anyway. And, uh, as we do with the the clones, each one of us took a monster yep. to compare to the original Mulvey Cook version of the monster to see how it or didn't. Mm. And Glenn? And I'm looking at page 90, the ochre. Right next to the orc, which it has a nice picture of, pig-faced orcs. Yes. Yay. And a really goofy owlbear. Uh, but... <laughs> Anyway, I compared them with Moldvay, uh, the ogre with Moldvay, and it's pretty much uh, lockstep. Nine to ten feet tall, big brutish humans, skin color from dull yellow to dull brown, poorly cured furs, wares, and hides, uh, odor, and like I said, I compared this text to the other to the Moldvay, and it looks pretty much the same. Although I notice that the horde class differs a bit in Labyrinth Lord. Um, they're a little, little less um, 
generous with the gems and jewels, a little more generous with the money, as far as a hoard goes. That's the main difference right there. Everything else is pretty much right up there where it's supposed to be. Okay. And that's me. That's you. Liz? Well, I decided to do... (gasps) Not the Cobalt. Not the Cobalt? Not the Cobalt. Although, I will, to make people a little bit happy, I will say that they specifically say in the Labyrinth Lord rules that Cobalts are dog-like. So, ha. (laughs) Oh, they were... You... Got in their head. That's why. Yep, 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 yep. yep. Um, <laughs> dog-like, do not have the magic resistance like they have in Holmes. But that's all I'm going to say about the Cobalt. I am going to talk about the Ginny. Ginny, who can I dream of? Ginny. <laughs> well, you might not. You might not want to dream of these. They're they're pretty nasty. They're they're pretty um yeah they're tough. Um. I will say, and again, I'm rather than going, you know, with the Moldvay Cook, I'm comparing to the Holmes monster okay. write-up. Okay. Their write-up is virtually exactly the same as in the Holmes book. Mm-hmm. Um, they have all of the same abilities and attributes. The movement is the same. Hit dice is the same. Mm-hmm. Armor class, you know, all of it. The only thing that they really change from the Holmes write-up is they add that Jin may only be affected by magic and magical weapons, which is not specified in the Holmes monster section. Kind of a loophole in that game, isn't it? Yeah, but um, anyway, so they are, you know, they, they took it almost word for word. And, you know, personally, I think that's a good thing. I like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm quite pleased with the write-up for the Jin. Well, that's good. That's good. We need some, some badass monsters in there. <laughs> yeah, there's not enough monsters to just, to do TPKs. We need more of those. I, yeah. can't, I can't see Liz using one, but <laughs> I can sure as hell see Mike using one. <laughs> oh, the bugbear write-up is very, very small. Is it? Yeah, it's only like a couple of sentences. You know, really? Like, yeah, which is really weird because I was looking through the monsters and you know, there's the bugbear write up is tiny, and then you go on down. They say more about the camel than they say <laughs> about the bugbear. Like that's just wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. But um, yeah, <laughs> that okay. doesn't happen very often. But I wanted to point that out because I thought it was a bit bizarre. <laughs> Okay. How about you, Mike? Well, I dealt with the Minotaur again, and I will say similarly that text-wise or attribute-wise, it is identical from Moldvay. Oh yeah. Cook the Minotaur. It's six hit die, uh, damage per attack, one d six, one d six, or by weapon. Um, more text on it than in Swords and Wizardry. Really. Yeah, it emphasizes being a rather dim-witted, bull-headed man. Um, it's maneuvering around in labyrinths, of course, and mentioning its taste for man flesh. Yummy. Yum, yum. Eat him up. So, and it gives some 
a little bit of uh, combat advice for it. So, like run. <laughs> no, no, no. How how it will attack you? Oh. Ah. Okay. Mentions how they're relentless, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it was a good write-up. Certainly sounds like a better flavor text than for the ba- uh, bugbear. It seems. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes, sir, Bob. So yeah, I mean, cursory look through. You've got all the the usual suspects that mm-hmm. are a, a usable in, under the OGL. Mm-hmm. You've got a Thule-ish character or monster. So yeah, I think on the whole they pretty much did the did the retro cloning proud with the monsters, and because it uses the standard attributes, armor class, hit die, you know, you can use any sort of D and D monsters in your Labyrinth Lord game, and vice versa. Sounds like they've done their job. So let's move on into products of your imagination. Your dungeon master has placed you in a dreadfully precarious position. They're right next to you. Well, all you do is we play the characters we talked about earlier when we run around and stuff. I want to show you a trick Mother showed me when you weren't around. Use your lightning bolt. Victory is yours. I'm attacking the darkness. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons games. Products of your imagination. You're not there. You're getting drunk. Products of your imagination. Yay. Yay. And now we'll talk about it as an actual physical product. Its format, its layout, etc. So that's pretty much you two. What do y'all think? <laughs> I thought it read well. The forward seemed a little jerky. It seemed to have almost like a lot of legalism at the beginning. But about three paragraphs in, it sounded more like a proper forward to the game. Yeah. True, mm-hmm. true. Let me let me take a look again. Yeah, yeah, they have a lot of acknowledgments in it. I'm glad uh, that they acknowledge, you know, Gygax, Arneson, I suppose, you know, so on yeah. and so forth. They give a nice little shout-out uh, memorial to Tom Moldvay, who yeah. died while they were writing it. Yeah, which is a real pity. Uh, yeah, well, it's going to happen. But, yeah, I'm glad he did what he did. Yeah. Um, I think the book is well put together and very easy to use, two-column format. Um, What's the font look like, Liz? Um, it's a good, easy-to-read font. It's not your quote-unquote, you know, it's not the font that you saw in a lot of the early stuff, like the Holmes Blue Book or, you know, a lot of the first modules. But I do think that the font is very close, if not exactly the same, as what was used in the Moldvay Basic and Expert book. Well, I'm looking at Moldvay now, and they had sort of a sans serif thing going. Wait a minute. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. You're, you're wrong. You're, no, you're, you are right. I was okay. thinking, I looked at it again. I was thinking of Holmes. Yeah, because I was thinking that the, the basic experts that came after Holmes, you know, you had the serif fonts in that one. Right. Um, it looks like they tried to emulate the look of the Moldvay Cook text, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, give you that feel. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, I, I like that. And as usual with virtually all of the clones, 
means the layout of the information is an improvement over the original. Um, oh, yes. I think, you know, time and years and years of using these books and knowing what we want to find and where would be the best place for it has only helped, you know, those people who have made the clones, you know, to put it together in a more comprehensive format that just makes more sense. Mm-hmm. I'm so confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. I cannot critique the art because I've got the art free and you know money free PDF version. <laughs> well, I can. <laughs> All right, I'm depending on you, Glenn. I got a full art version, and the art is just gorgeous. It's all black and white line art, which, you know, turns me on like crazy. Um, Shut up. We we did not know that. (laughs) But it's just glorious. Uh, The layout is beautiful. Two column. I prefer a three column, but I can, but it's very well done two column uh, format. I just think that with three column, it's still readable. You can pack more in, that's all. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what they got. Steve Zeiser did the cover and a lot of the a lot of the artwork. Um, in fact, I think okay, cover and illustration, interior illustrations. Yeah, Steve Zeiser, he did all the artwork. Boom, he's great. <laughs> Is it old school or very old school? I mean, this reeks of Otis and Tramp. Okay. As the artwork goes, and God, I want to do some artwork with them. Anyway, but that's that's me geeking out. So yeah, it's, it's just it's worth the money. It's just for the artwork alone. And you know what? The rust monster actually looks badass now. All right. Is that allowed? <laughs> I don't know. No, we're not dealing with a flump here. We're dealing with the rust. yeah, but the rust monsters always looked goofy. That was kind of its charm. <laughs> to me, anyway. Oh, look, it's so cute. It's a oh cute, my God, harmless what to my armor. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, the owl bear, <laughs> hoot hoot dog. That's what, that's what he's doing. He's up on his hind legs, but it's still, it's it's beautiful. It's it's just he did a marvelous job. They did a marvelous job of editing this. I could easily use this without. Yeah, I noticed very few typographical or or grammar errors. In the text, I've got two RCs, original RCs, and I got one my DM printed out as a working copy that is tagged from now till doomsday for me to find stuff in it. Mm-hmm. This is a breath of fresh air, let me tell you. Cool. Yeah, very well organized. So, considering all that and all we've talked about, how many dragons would you give it, Liz? I will give it. Four and a half dragons for mm-hmm. all of the reasons that we have discussed. And this really has nothing to do with the core book itself, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, not only is this well written and put together, but for people who are just coming into gaming and buying this and they're worried about whether or not there's, you know, going to be supplements and stuff. There's a lot of additional product. You know, there's a very strong product line support support base. There's a flood of additional. Yeah, you know, you you know, the sky's the limit with what you can do with this core book and the supplements and adventures that are out there. Mm -hmm. It would be very worth the money to buy just for that alone. Glenn. 
I would give it five. Okay. If I was not using the RC, I would grab this book. And even then, I would grab the book for some of the things it does, for some of the things I can steal. <laughs> um, I think it's it's absolutely fantastic. And she's right. There's a flood of, of support material, not only from them, but if you go out on the Internet, you cannot swing a dead cat without hitting a blog that has something for <laughs> Labyrinth Lord that you can use. I mean, and- Labyrinth Lord is becoming like the shorthand for BX. And don't forget Oubliette. Oubliette magazine. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, the Labyrinth Lord. And also, I should probably mention that um, if you want to go back to the white box, they have Labyrinth Lord white box supplement for this. If you want to go up to 1E, you can go to the Advanced Edition Companion that works with this tome to bring it up to more 1E. Yeah. Advanced. Um, I just looked up before online. We were having a little trouble. I was trying to find out what they were retailing for on this. Uh, right now, the hardback of the current edition of Labyrinth Lord is twenty one ninety five, and that's through Lulu. They do have their own Lulu store in there. You can get it through their Goblinoid, their website. Okay. Um, I couldn't get the price on. The, see, the Lulu's doing the hardback. Drive through RPGs doing the PDF. Okay. Uh, I believe the PDF is somewhere around twelve dollars. Okay. Good so pr- it's, a, it's a good deal. Bit pricey for a for a PDF, but. I'm just like I said. I'm just going off memory. Okay. So get to the info. Well, I'll say four and a half as well. Um, there are while there are a couple of design choices in there that I'm not entirely sure. You know what his mindset was on it. They are extremely minor, and it is so faithful to Moldvay Cook that I would even recommend. You know, as much as I love Moldvay Cook. For people to get this rather than get Moldvay and Cook, and then either go from one book to the other or do the cut and splice, exactly. which they had originally suggested. But I don't know about you, but the idea of cutting up a book just always struck me as wrong. But one thing I do like, yeah, I really like about Goblinoid Games, like you posted or you mentioned earlier, is and I wish more retro clones would do this, is rather than a clone for everything, get a core like Labyrinth Lord, and then if you want to do 1E, create a supplement that lets you play a 1E, or White Box, or, you know, heck, eventually, you know, if you want to do for 2E, you know, yeah, go ahead. And that way you've at least got everything on a central core. I mean, not, no offense to any other people who have done retro clones, it, but it just seems to me a little more logical. Here's how permeated that this and something like Swords of Wizardry has become in the the movement. Um, if you want something compatible with basic, if it says Swords and Wizardry or Labyrinth Lord, get it. Mm. It will be compatible. Because I found out the shorthand to basic was Labyrinth Lord or Swords of Wizardry. The shorthand to anything after 2E is Pace Setter. Or not Pace... Uh, uh, pace Setter? Not Pace Setter, no. Um, a Pathfinder. Ah. So it's becoming shorthand for what we usually use. Mm-hmm. Which is really nice. It expands, expands the horizons. Well... Hope we've been of some help for people who might be curious about Labyrinth Lord. 
But it's time for us to head down the road once again. Ogres, take me away. (laughs) Except he's being taken away by ogres. (laughs) I got an ogre slaying knife. Got a plus nine against ogres. You're not there. You're getting drunk. Cool. (laughs) So how are you headed down the road, Liz? Um, I'm flying through the air under the power of a jinn. Woohoo. It's so deez. And you, I am sir? escaping from a relentless minotaur because I've only, my knife is only plus nine against doggers. Oh, dear. And uh, I'm sure the jinn has kobold followers, so... Oh, certainly. Somewhere behind there is a kobold with a with a jinn lamp. And, you know, hey, what about me? <laughs> Alrighty, well, this ends another episode, and we'll see you next time. Good night, everybody. Good night. Free arc. <laughs>